This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 201, sponsored by Iverse Comics, discount comic book service, audible.com, and of course, iFanboy members and listeners like you. Out in his dreams, so hard to beat. Every time she walks down the street, another girl in a neighborhood. Wish she was mine, she looks so good. I wanna hold you, wanna hold you. Well, hello and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 201. 
We're not in a comic shop this week. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Well, hello, Josh. <laughs> Whoa, wait. <laughs> Someone turned it on. <laughs> oh, no, he's in therapy again. And Ron Richards. Hello. <laughs> and he's in another Broadway show. At com, we like comic books. We read them. Every week we read a big stack of them, and then one of us in alternating threes uh, has to pick the issue that they like the best that week. They call that the pick of the week. Write a review about it up on the website. We come here. We talk about that center the conversation around it, and then talk about the other books from the week and, and other stuff that we want to talk about. Before we get going, we are going to talk about the books from the week, so there may be some spoilers if you haven't read your books yet. Come back later after you have. You'll, you'll probably enjoy it more, and that would be cool. Uh, this week, boy, I wish that I had comic. I had to pick this week instead of last week. But uh, Ron, you did. So. I did, and there were a lot, and I had a lot of options. In fact, there were four books that were in the running when it came down to it at the end of the evening on Thursday. And by the way, before I get into this, you know, a day off on Monday is great, but I don't know if it's worth it for the havoc that the Thursday Comics <laughs> Day has put into my life. You have no idea. This is uh, it's uh, uh. It throws everything off. It throws all, everything the, the off. Access is, is just twisted. Yeah, it's just not fair. But I powered oh. through somehow. You poor bastard. How do you, how do you ever deal? Yeah. But so I powered through, and um, I had a pretty hearty stack this week. A lot of – it was funny because I think what, what was last week there was a lot of the more offbeat and indie books, and this week was just – for me personally, it was just all Marvel and DC. Um, and you know there are a couple of indies littered about in there. But at the end of the day, the book that I had the most fun reading and the book that I enjoyed the most was Kick-Ass Number 7. And, um, and I, I wrote the review up on iFanboy.com. You can go read it there. And I was saying, you know – there are tons of you know for like every good book I think every, every book that is really evocative or really um, brings out discussion has both detractors and supporters and it's easy to slam this book for the delays and, and for the sporadic release schedule um, I know Josh you've been particularly critical of the story and that you don't really know where it's going anywhere and you don't like when it's you know the, the kind of um, meta references to the comics and things like that well, well hold on hold on you're I I haven't thought about this book in months. Right. So, well, so, you, so you're I more in the first a, camp then about the lateness. <laughs> uh, see, for a while I said there's no story. And yeah. then at one point it was fucked up. Yeah. And, it was and, fucked and, up. And that was enough. I was fine with that. Yeah. And then I forgot about it. So yeah. when it showed up this week, I was like, oh, yeah, this book. Yeah. So I'd forgotten any preconceived notions I may have had. Yeah. Well, that's good then. So, so, but what really made it stick out for me that made it the pick of the week was one, was for three reasons. One was um, that uh, this might be some of the best work of John Romita Jr.'s career. I think it is the best. Work yeah, of his I mean, and, and I don't know if it's the combination of what he's doing with Tom Palmer on inks and Dean White on colors, um, but like from this, this issue is uh, bo- is bookended by two full page splash pages. The first one, the first page of the issue is got um, the Red Mist character betraying Kick Ass and hitting him on the head with a gun, and the last page has got Kick Ass and Hit Girl, um, the little girl with the swords, uh, in an elevator about to go kick some ass. And those two pages just basically sum up just how the colors and like the the use of color, you know, the primary colors of their costumes and the blood and as well as just like Ramita has a definite style with his noses and his faces and things like that. But it's tighter and it's not as like I I think back to some of the World War Hulk stuff that he did and that was a little more um, sketchier. Yeah, it was rougher. You got got really bold lines here. All all the lines are strong. I feel like he's a guy who, and this is speculation, I feel like he really lives or dies on the strength of his anchor. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know, World War Hulk was was Klaus Janssen-inging him, so there was no, you know, that's not a slouch, but maybe they just don't fit together. Well, they, well, they were. Well, no, I, no, not that. Not that his work on World War Hulk was bad, and when Klaus Janssen inks him, it's good, but it's a different kind of image. Um, sure, it, it comes off. They 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 definitely have a different kind of synergy, different than Ramita and, and Tom Palmer, which you know, and I have, and for whatever reason, it's working on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, the fir- that was the first reason. The second reason is because, you know, everyone knows I, I, I get a very emotional when I read my comics and stuff like that. And I love the, the you know, all right, you know, throw your hand in the you know, fist in the air and, and, you know, like the person you're rooting for. And there was definitely a moment in this where Kick-Ass, our main hero, pulls himself up. He's on the edge. He's going to get killed. And he's able to fight back. And then he's, he gets some help from Hit Girl. And Whoa. there was definitely a couple of, you know, a couple scenes towards the end of the issue that were just like you could not root for them. No, well, hold on. Now, yeah. the way you describe it is he got up and he fought his way. And that's not what happened. And no, if he true. had happened, that would have been incredibly boring. Yeah. What he did was stand up and get his ass kicked for a while. True. Yeah, good point. <laughs> that was his rope-a-dope move. Yeah. He was like, I'm, you know what I'm going to do here? I'm going to win this by getting this shit beat out of me. Which well, no, no. Really well, he got his shit beat out of him, and then he stood up, and he was about to, and then she jumped in. Um, right, but, either but way, what we know yeah. is he's good at getting beat up. Yeah, that exactly. seems to be <laughs> kick-ass is, sort of kick is sort of a joke. Yeah. But the uh, he's like the guy from the Cinderella Man movie, Russell Crowe. Just kept getting hit over and over and over. Never go down. Okay, then tire the other guy out. So, um, but the real re- the, the the main reason why this where I like this issue so much was is that um, I kind of had a realization about what Miller's doing with this book. Um, the, the 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 and spoiler we gave the spoiler warning, but just you know I'm going to tell what happens in the issue. So Kickass gets um, Kickass gets betrayed by the Red Mist, and the mob has captured Kickass as well as Big Daddy and Hit Girl, the father and daughter team. And we had we were the previous issue I think was the origin story of Big Daddy and Hit Girl, and we hear how he's an ex cop and his wife was brutally murdered by the mob, so he wants vengeance and he trains his daughter and stuff like that. In this issue, issue we find out it's all bullshit that he he was an accountant. And he just wanted his daughter to live an exciting life, and he was a fan of comics, and so he decided to make you know to to train and become vigilantes. And you realize that Big Daddy wasn't much different than Kickass, and it was that kind of that kind of moment or that kind of um, characterization, and then the dancing that Miller's doing between the excessive violence and the superhero theatrics and the real reality and the real life aspects of it and really trying to stand up for yourselves and and do something and make a life that's worth you know that's interesting i just really was really digging it in this issue um and i kind of didn't realize it until this issue you know it's funny is that and this is this goes against what everybody thinks about the way that i look at comic books or anything for that matter but like i would have had a hard time writing a review about this because I don't really see all that much deepness or it just it's sort of a uh, it's a big visceral comic book and I feel like that's actually it's it's uh, it's draw in this one sense. I, I don't know. I don't feel like there's a lot of subtext going on at all. Oh, I, 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 I thought this was drooling with subtext. Perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just, I, 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 mean, know, just, I mean, just, just to seeing the, the, you know, like, like when Big Daddy finally, like, they've been, so the mob tortures uh, Kickass and Big Daddy, and the torturing of Kickass was particularly painful, you know, in terms of uh, car batteries attached to testicles. But, um, you know, but like the the whole question of why is Big Daddy going after the mob? And they're like, and and the, the, the Kickass says he's like, oh, he's an ex cop. You killed his wife. And they're like, I don't remember any ex cops. Like, I don't remember any wife killed. Like, they, the mm-hmm. mob had no idea why. And he finally breaks in. And he goes, you know, I just want to give my daughter an exciting life. You know, like I didn't want her growing up watching American Idol. He's like, and he's a comic fan. And turns out he's been selling his comics to fund their uh, their operation. 
Um, right, but that's very that's still very servicey. What, what's the subtext? No, the, the, su- the subtext is, is the idea of wanting to do something more and the idea that, that what Kick-Ass is doing, which seems so ridiculous and seems so idiotic, actually isn't because this guy is doing it as well. And it's just this, this desire of people. I and, don't know. I think it's pretty idiotic. To, so wait, no, I do. I do. But there's this, the idea of trying to be something better and to, do, to, to stand up in this world of, of violence and insanity and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it definitely plays on know, to the... Me, to me, if there's any subtext, it's that it's a Again, it's the attack on on crazy fanboys and how, how stupid it is to be a That's crazy fanboy. That's kind of more what I got. Yeah, I don't see yeah, that. I mean, I don't, if anything, yeah. it's it's an attack on the fans. But yeah. um, for me, and I don't care about the lateness because it's a creator-owned book and they have yep. to do paying work. But what, what the lateness is doing for me is taking me out of caring about the story. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't immerse myself in the world because I don't remember the last issue or what happened in it. Right. Which yeah, is funny. I thought I missed something. I, is, I was like, did I forget? Which is funny because for some reason that 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 and and with other books doesn't bother. I don't know why I'm able to remember, but like I remember exactly what happened in the last issue, and I picked right back up of it, and and it, that doesn't bother me personally. I just, um, but I, I, see no, why it's not, I mean, others. as I got three or four pages in, I remembered. But the thing is, mm-hmm. like, when I get to a book and hold it in my hands and don't know where it's going because I don't know where it's been. Right. It takes you out of really caring about the characters because it's, to me it's a I, – I, I, I experience these guys for five to ten minutes once every four or five months. Right. And so <laughs> therefore I don't really care about them because – yeah, uh, who I, knows when I'm gonna? Who knows when I'm gonna see him again? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I could see that, but I, I was, I'm able to care about him. I mean, I, you know, that, that. I suppose, I suppose that what I'm, what I'm thinking when there, when I'm saying, I don't feel like this is a greater message. Like I literally feel like when they do the script or when they do the artwork, they're just giggling on each page. That's funny. You know, oh, like, I don't like, know. Oh. It's not. I don't think it's that juvenile. I don't think really. It's that, no, I, I, I think totally so get that feeling, I don't and think I'm so cool with that. Yeah. So you know, if you like it one way and I can like it another, that's yeah. fine. But that's yeah. the feeling that I get out of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, and it, and it was with this issue, and then also like I, like I said, like with this whole mirroring of like what world are we looking into in terms of this tongue in cheek, jokey, like giggling on each page versus actually somewhat you know heady. You know, I kind of I think he's doing a little bit of both. Um, and you know, and it, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. At the end of the issue, looking at the art, and looking at the pages, this is the one that I came back with that I had the most fun reading, and that was just you know definitely stood out for me. I, for me, this is. I, I the, think we'll know for sure, or not for sure. We'll know better what he's intending with the last issue. Yeah, like how, I, I, how it ends up for the characters will really, really let us know what he's trying to say, whether or not yeah. it's a serious or juvenile. What the story. message is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're yeah. still I, not sure. Yeah, it's. I do. I know one thing though, and this is was really important when I was reading it. I thought well, this is kind of my favorite issue of it so far, and I think that the two words are fucked up. <laughs> um, and yeah. and to really, I mean, it came back this time. I was like, oh right. And this was way more than the last time I went on that tirade. I was like, that's just all messed up. Right. I don't know. All I mean, the last time we went on the tirade was when the, was when the girl took a sword to everybody in issue for the entire issue. I mean, that was she, really fucked she up. She did it. She did it again. Yeah, yeah but only it. once. Which, by they the way, killed, if you if you've seen the dad, if you've seen the, the balls, if you've seen the footage from the movie online, it's that scene, and it's awesome. <laughs> just the idea of the ten-year-old girl with swords kicking ass is is, is a good, is a fantastic idea. Well, I, I suppose that what I, the, I mean, I guess the thing that I enjoyed about it, I was like, I was able to, I was like, well, it's fun, whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't think about it like that. So for me, that was the release of it. I actually, I had a lot of fun with this issue, and I had, I'd, I think I'd gone in thinking, ah, this again, but yeah. it was good. Well, um, but you can be thankful that I picked it because the runner-up to pick of the week was most likely uh, the. And by the way, Marvel Marvel is stepping into this world of uh, not good comic titles again. Remember a couple of years ago when we had X Men: The End, Book Three, yada yada. Man, um, man and X Men. Man and X Men. Man and X Men. So, the, uh, uh, Dark Avengers, Uncanny X Men, Exodus, Conclusion. 
number one. Or oh, that's one number. book. That's one book. Yeah, I thought it was Topia. Two. No, it's one. The, the script. The Indicia is actually pretty funny. It's it's, it's what is it? Dark <laughs> Dark Avengers slash Uncanny X Men colon Exodus number one. Um, but yeah, so uh, this was the this was the runner up, um, and it's it's amazing to see how the this whole Utopia uh, crossover storyline started off with me hating it and and ending up with me loving it. I noticed that the web was a tingle yeah. with with people really going, wow, that started out awful, but it ended great. Oh, it's all Matt. It it's ended, all Matt Fraction. Well, no, well, yeah, I guess it's all Matt Fraction. I mean, I, I I'm gonna guess it's Fraction and and his editor, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Axel, move, you know, moving the, you know, move Axel Alonso moving the the story in the direction they I want just, it to be. I just meant he wrote the he wrote the whole thing. He wrote the whole issue. Yeah, it's it, it's Axel, and, and really the only reason, the, one of the reasons why I didn't pick it was it was uh, it was I'm sorry, it was Matt Fraction writing it and Mike Diodato and Terry Dotson. And mm-hmm. the changing of gears between Diodato and Dodson yeah. was like w- was too much for me. It was like that's, it was, it was too a, jerky. Yeah, that's a big tonal shift. It was, um, but this was great because it was the the X Men Avengers face off, and uh, the X Men kicked ass. And this is really uh, one of Cyclops. This is going to go down as one of Cyclops's shining moments in that he enacted a plan, executed on it, and and totally completed and kicked ass on it. Um, <laughs> you you love him like he, like you're a manager. <laughs> like, like Scott came in with his business plan, <laughs> took it to action. His team really went and they kicked ass on it and uh, executed. Well, I mean, admittedly, I have a little pride in, in Cyclops being my favorite character, and all, and and also the belief that the X Men, you know, the, the, what Whedon said is that the X Men are Cyclops' story. It's not Professor Xavier's story. It's not Jean Grey's story. It's Cyclops' story. And this just was, you know, there, there's a couple of great moments in this. Did you did you guys read it or am I solo on no. it? Okay. Solo. Okay, there was one moment where so the um, the Dark Avengers step into it and. And the ship kind of pulls in, and they're ready for the face-off. And Bullseye, Hawkeye, Bullseye slash Hawkeye jumps out of the plane and does this kind of barrel roll and shoots off three arrows. And then the immediate panel below it is Cyclops going to himself, "My God, Osborn dressed up Bullseye as a hero!" Like he saw it right through. He saw right through the the costume. Um, and then just like little moments throughout it, as each of the team, each of the X Men face off against you know against different folks on the Avengers, um, leading up to you know Norman Osborn holding up Cyclops you know above his head you know in the the promo pose that was from the beginning of the storyline, and him just saying you know give up it's over you've lost and Cyclops just laughing going oh Norman if only you see, see things the way I see them and then Danny Moonstar comes flying in on a winged horse because now she's Valkyrie again and just. Ask like with cavalry coming in, and just the team kicks ass and wipes the Avengers. You know, mops up, mops them up and down, and it ends with you know all the X Men standing there against Norman, and the press is there, and uh, realizing that if you know if they're going to kill one of them, they got to kill all of them. That will be a PR nightmare. So the the Avengers back away, and the X Men win, um, which was great. And so now we've got Asteroid M sitting out in the Pacific Ocean as an island, and Cyclops declares it as a safe haven for all mutants. And again, you know, a little bit of a repeating of the trope with San Francisco when they moved to San Francisco, saying, you know, our doors are open to you. Um, but it was just it was a lot of a lot of positive feeling about the X Men in this issue. Um, so, Connor, did you follow most of that? Yes, there was some, there was some words in there. I didn't get. Oh, I knew. Otherwise. I followed. I followed it. You yeah. couldn't Most just play along. I've read the many people versus Norman story forty-five times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you couldn't uh, play with the joke. Yeah. So, so I don't want to be the mean guy. You're the mean guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but, I thought it was uh, fun. Yeah, but so yeah, it was really good. But the the, the, the art changes, the art changes were what kind of. Um, uh, Wasn't it when 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 they were on a different kind of psychic plane when the arc? Yeah, came? basically it was the, it was the, the opening scene with Emma and Scott in their bedroom, which is a flashback was Dotson, and then Emma and the Sentry inside the Sentry's head was Dotson. Was and, there any crying? 
Uh, no, there was no crying. There was no, and and apparently, um, uh, a little bit of the void is now inside Emma's head, which oh, is she'll oh, start yeah. crying. Oh, now. Yeah, exactly. She's gonna start weeping at yeah. any drop of the hat. Yeah, exactly. If there was if there was no crying, there's a good chance there was baseball because from what I understand, there is no crying. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're not working at all today, are you? Yeah, no. <laughs> but um, so so the the third runner up to the pick of the week was Adventure Comics number two. Let you know, me it's just a great say, week for art. Yes, yes. Page two and three of this book was literally like the best two-page splash I've seen in I don't know how long. Oh, um, and and followed up by later on. There's the there's the one there's the page of Superboy and Wonder Girl kissing in front of the moon. The last page of the story. Yep. And then also when Wonder Girl opens the door when he opens the door and it's her like Manipole, The full page of Manipole with the title page with all the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, like I'm so all about Francis Manipole right now. Well, the, the, the only thing that got me about it, if you look at that two-page two spread, like, look at the perspective of, like, where the, the, the um, Brainiac skull head thing is. And, like, you know, in the, and then the foreground, you've got the giant tentacle. It's just this really neat sort of multi-plane thing, and I just – I was really, really impressed by it. It was yeah. fun. I love the coloring. It's it's almost kind of got a water, watercolory influence to yeah. it, and it's, it's – yeah. it, Who is it, coloring it? It beautiful. Um, who is coloring it? it is. I thought he was. I'm, I it's Brian, Brian Bucalato. Bucalato, yeah. Bucalato. Never heard of Bucalato. him. Bucalato. Um, I don't care about <laughs> Superboy. I don't care about the half Lex, half Superman thing. I don't care about any of this, but but this book, I cannot put it down. I thought they're using the – I mean, Superboy is a character that I never really had much regard for. For I mean, he was all right, ever, but he was, you know, yeah. just, he was mm-hmm. just a character. I never really loved him like people do who came along in the 90s. Um, but they really, he's really doing a good job of me, making me care about him. And I love the trope of – He's you know he's half he's made of DNA he's a clone of Superman but he's also a clone of Lex Luthor he's half and half yep. so he can't decide which one he's going to be because at times he's been evil as well as, as heroic and I like the note I mean the, the list he's keeping yeah, yeah. and this one he's, he's got a date so the thing he's focused on is Lex's bald yep. and I was I was laughing with him in the mirror yeah you know examining the hair what looking for 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 hair falling out because he's got a girl coming over and I thought that's just a neat he's really tuning in these characters and we know from talking to Jeff Johns that that Superboy's one of his favorites. Um, the only thing that I had a weird, you know, continuity problem with was after Superboy died in the in the Titans books, Robin and Wonder Girl started dating. Yeah, and they just kind of glossed over it and said, "Oh, we kissed, we kissed once, and that was it." And either that's for just lying or them retconning it. But yeah, well, uh, I think they're just trying to take the attention away from it, and and mm-hmm. you know, and I guess she, you know, her feeling the guilt over it now that he's back, and yeah, but but man, it but looks other than good. that, and, and also the backup story with the Legion, I really enjoyed, even though I know nothing about nothing about the Legion, and that art is awesome. The art was awesome, yeah. and the whole idea was that the, there's, I guess there's this planet where everybody's a twin, and this one guy wasn't a twin. We found out he actually was a twin, and, and, I, and it was, there was enough information to follow along, and I found it really interesting, even though I knew, knew nothing about them, and I thought it was a yeah. really good one-two punch. Yeah. I actually like started to be like, ah, I'm not going to read this, and I, I was really I was like, this is not terrible. It's like what, he's the Legion like a, story? Yeah, the Legion story. I was like, this is almost interesting. He's kind of like a – the artist is kind of like a um, Cassidy Light. I guess, sort of part Cassidy, part. Uh, I see Travis a lot Schreiber. of Otley in it too. Yeah, yeah, I see that, I see that yeah. too. So, it's, Clay, yeah, wait, Clayton though. Henry is that it? Clayton um, Henry, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was it was a good little uh, co-feature. Cool. As the as the parlance. No, goes. but I, I'm loving uh, this little this little run on Adventure Comics. I'm loving mainly because the art, and I can't wait. The news this week that broke that Manipal and Johns will be doing the Flash ongoing. It's just gonna be it's gonna be pure bliss for me. It makes up for the fact that it's not Kershaw. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> but um, so in the last book that was in the running um, was the was the Dark Horse and the Surprise book. Um, yet another bad Marvel title book. Uh, Dark Reign, the list, Avengers number one, the one shot. Um, I thought that <laughs> I thought that. Um, I thought that I was going to hate this book because Marco Djurdjevic was doing the art, and, Dude. and he's done he's done covers for Daredevil and other stuff for Marvel, and he's done this very photorealistic, painterly kind of look. And I opened the issue, and it was some freaking awesome pencils. Yeah. Absolutely, I hundred percent agree. I'm, yeah. I'm not a fan of painted stuff, and I was reading this. I was like, I, "Who is that? really that guy?" It wow, was great! It was like talk. That, this really is the good. big surprise for me for the week. The only thing that the only my only my only uh, complaint about this book is I, I don't understand why it's just not New Avengers next issue. Yeah, but I so, I actually wasn't even going to buy this, so I'm glad that I, that I did it on a whim because it was yeah. Bendis and. But you're right. I mean, I would have missed. A, I would have missed a major sort of oh huge turning point. Yeah, yeah. And, and also that it also I would have missed the moment of the week, which was. Them talking about the famous hypothetical. What would you, would you go back and kill Hitler? And Bucky yep. going, uh, I did. I I I, I, I killed Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Bucky and, and Bucky and, and this has been go, great. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I killed Hitler. So, by the way, that would stop any conversation. Yeah. Like everyone would the move. Oh, okay, forget it. We'll move on. No, yeah. no, we're going to talk about this. I did, um, <laughs> but uh, but this this issue is is uh, focuses on Ronan's uh, harping on wanting to kill Norman Osborn and the Avengers disagreeing with him. I like how it pulled in the stuff that's going on in the X Men. You know, we get a little brief. We get um, uh, Ronan watching TV and watching what's happening on the the, the in San Francisco with the with the uh, X Men Island emerging, saying we should help them and. You know, and then he finally goes out on his own and goes to take out Norman. Um, I, the, the, for me, I, I obviously I really dug this because it's basically a Clint on his own story. Except what it did was, and this is actually one of the reasons I like the character. By the way, this is my favorite uh, Avengers issue in a while. I really, I really enjoyed this. I feel like it should have come months sooner, but whatever. Um, I like that. Like he went in, he started kicking ass, but really he was completely overmatched, and they showed yeah. it. Yep. You know, like, because that is like he would get he would get his ass kicked. Yeah. I love that he ran into Moonstone and they still they knew each other back from the Thunderbolt yep, days. Exactly, yeah. I love that. That was awesome. And he's like, I get a pass, and she's just like, <laughs> she's like, too many cameras, you know. Like, <laughs> it was good. It was good. And and he got we got an arrow to Dawkins' head, which was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I thought, and he got to he gets to Norman, and then turns out Norman has uh, Nick Fury's body shield, which I didn't even know Nick Fury had. Um, well, Nick Fury has all kinds of crap you don't yeah, know about. Exactly. It doesn't matter. You just yeah. make it up as you go. Oh yeah, Nick Fury had one of these. Yeah. So, but so it ends with uh, basically Osborn capturing Ronan, um, and what should have been an Avengers issue. And then I laughed because at the end of the page, I turned uh, the page to the two-page spread of the oh, list, the list checklist. Like, uh, <laughs> did you have uh, to use the word checklist promoting an event called the list? Really? <laughs> the list square. The list list. Yeah. And I, list I saw list. that. I saw that. Two pages, and I thought, oh, I'm not buying any of these. And I went, oh, Alan Davis. Oh, the uh, Alan Davis pages look so good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember Romita Jr., yeah. uh, Jason Aaron. Oh, fuck. I'm going to end up buying at least half of these. Yeah. Yeah. And, but so but that, apparently, you're going to have to read it in order to see the storyline go, which kind of sucks, too. But well, I'll, I'm going to put that to the test. Yeah. But, I'm going to um, see if I can read half of them and figure out the story. But yeah, but so aside from it not being an Avengers issue, aside from the, the awful title, um, Djurjevic's pencils were just the, the a wonderful surprise. And it was a he great can, story. Yeah. It was a really great story. Why doesn't, why doesn't that guy pencil a regular book? He should, yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. So uh, if it were my pick of the week. Um, wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. I'm confused because last week's show, you said you had dropped this book. Yeah. No, no. no. Yes, you did. 
You no, said we were talking you, you about said the Witchfinder like, book. Oh, the Witch, right? Because yeah. which, which, it was too slow, which is why you were dropping. You were going to drop Wild Hunt because it was too slow. Can I, you're getting me off track, and it doesn't matter. Uh, this is issue no, issue number six of Hellboy: The Wild Hunt. Issue number five came out after a eh, two or three, four month hiatus, something like that. Um, and it came back, and I was really confused and sort of didn't like the last issue of it. And I was like, bah, meh, like that. And so I picked this one up, and I sort of reluctantly started to read it. And this is the best issue of Hellboy that I've read in I don't know how long. And everybody that is was be- freaking out. Online. Everybody was freaking out. And if this was my pick of the week, I would have made it my pick of the week. And on, like Ron, Ron's a crowd pleaser. I would have gotten that 10% who are reading this book. And they would have been like, he's totally right. And everyone else would have shut up. And well, it was a 4.9 average rating on iFanboy out of 5. Okay. So it was- Do you want to hear what happens? Because it's awesome. Sure. It's, it's, a, it's a help. Okay. Well, the thing is, it's a, I'm, I'm still back help- when you said I'm a crowd pleaser. Basically, you're a, he's no, making a list. A bad he's making a list of his own. I know. I yeah. Know. Wait a minute. <laughs> I got fun. a lot of shit for Kickass, but anyway, go on. Carry on. Um, shouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, Hellboy has been kicking around for I don't know how long. Like wandering, waiting for what is going to happen. You know, like he left the BPRD a long time ago, and it's just sort of he keeps running into these demons and creatures and things, and they tell him something. He's like, I don't want to hear it, and he walks away. And like, it's been a little monotonous. So in this one, uh, it starts off, and he goes the, like the whole miniseries started off. And he went off with a bunch of English people on a hunt for giants. Uh, the giants kill everybody, and he—I don't even—I don't even remember how he ended up somewhere else with this red-haired Irish girl. And they're in a castle with Morgan Le Fay. Of course, you may remember her; she's with Marvel, I think, recently. Um, she was. Wasn't she also in the first story, the first Hellboy story? Lord knows if I remember. She's a classic character. She's the yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. the she's the. It's not the Marvel. It's not. It's the crossover. No, I know. She, I know. Was I know. she the one that brought Rasputin back in the first story? Was that another woman? Might have been, but she. And anyway, she's part of the Arthur, Arthurian legend. Um, Morgana. She's the one who. Uh, he's. She's. I think she's Arthur's sister, but also the the like they slept with each other. So like her son Mordred, is are is Arthur's. It's basically her son an and her nephew. Right, exactly. Um, so, and this is a classic story. If you've ever seen uh, Excalibur, which I watched way too much as a kid and clearly shouldn't have. I love that um, movie. They're sitting down, and, and basically, okay, here's your big spoiler. The whole re- re- reveal is that um, Hellboy is one of the three uh, heirs of Arthur who survived. Um, and that's why, and he's half demon, and that's really? why he's alive. And so basically, he Jesus. is, and look at, if you look at the cover, there's a, there's a big sword in the front. And then behind Hellboy, there's like a picture of, of King Arthur. And basically, he's the heir to the, to the Arthurian throne in the Sword of the Stone. Wow. So he's, he's, and he's that's the son why, of King Arthur? Yeah. No, he's the grandson. He's the son. He's the – I forget exactly how it works. he was the son of the devil. He's, he's – I forget. I'd have to read through the whole thing and tell you exactly what it is. But he's the rightful king of Britain. Um, basically uh, – oh, I know. There's only one uh, uh, um, heir – who survived all the way through with with the blood of Arthur, and she uh, she married a demon, and then had three kids, uh, and and of that Hellboy was the one who survived because he was born in hell because uh, he was oh, half. So, okay, I understand. So uh, she, okay. had the, she had the she had the she had the the sex with the demon. He's the first male descendant the, the of Mordred. He's the first demon male sex. descendant of Mordred, son of Arthur, okay. rightful king of Britain. Ron, and how many so, condoms like, with the demon sex? Three at least. They, they keep in, they keep incinerating with the flame. Right. So it's it depends on if he's made of stone. Anyway, the whole box. <laughs> he shows up in a field. I can't feel anything. <laughs> looking at looking at a sword sticking out of a stone, and like it all like 
his whole story of why you know he's supposed to be the king of the world and he's got that little crown that floats over his head but he's also half demon like all of a sudden they make a huge reveal in the hellboy universe and it was great it was fascinated to talk to to mike mignola and find out if this was all along or this is a new development you know he came across i don't know it's taken over a decade to get to this point but um, it, it would be an interesting question, but it was just a fun and cool and big development. And it wasn't like it was related to some small Romanian fable that you've never heard. It was Arthurian legend. Yeah. So that's cool. That's um, very cool. It was a really great issue too. Good. Um, good looking, all that stuff. So, yes. So I'm very Arthur's, sure. I think that's the drunk guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Arthur Treacher. He's the fish stick guy. <laughs> nice. So I'm curious what you guys thought of Blackest Night Batman number two. I think that it's a shame that Tomasi didn't get a regular Batman book. It's oh, a damn shame. Oh, I was going to say. He does. I, oh, wow. I was going to say, wow, talk about going off the rails. One of the worst comics I read this week. No, it was, it was awesome. Oh, it was he, he, does the best Bat, he does the best Dick Damien relationship outside of Morrison. That really makes you. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't get dealt with in other books, but he, he does it really well here. And it's a, it's a damn shame he doesn't have one of the regular books. Oh, I, just, I, really did, I thought this totally went off the rails and all the flamethrower stuff. And not to, the cover was awful. The Kubrick cover was really bad. Um, I don't know. I was just, I was kind of I'm grimacing having to now now I'm two two issues in. I'm gonna have to buy the third to see what happens. But I'm just like, oh, I wish I hadn't bought the series. Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was fun. It was neat how they brought back. It's like, what are you gonna do with the Blackest Night stuff? Where well, you're gonna put the, pit them against each other's relatives? And in the Batman family, there's so much familial tension and deaths and all that stuff that I don't know. I, I enjoyed. Yeah, no, it. it's great. It was. It's. I mean, this is a very rich. You've got a lot of dead people in this family, and a lot of tragedy. So the idea that they're going to fight their demons is great, and I love that. I love that um, that Tim came flying in like how like Han Solo at the end, and um, mm-hmm. uh, and I love the whole stuff with with Gordon and Barbara and trying yep. to survive through dead this man. Yeah, through and through and the dead man inhabits Barbara. Suddenly she can run around and beat yep. people up, and it was just very exciting. I like the idea that the people having the most success against. The dead people are the bat family. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the least capable of defending themselves, you know, naturally, and they're the and most ingen- ingenious of, of all of them. And at the same time, I thought it was like big, high action tension, like zombie movie, running away, flamethrowers, lots of stuff. Every page is just, you know, kinetically sort of, sort of vibrating. So I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. But you know, to each their own. To each their own, indeed. We want to take a second and thank our sponsor, iVerse Comics. Everyone's all about digital comics and comics on the f- iPhone these days. And if you're into that and you have to check out iVerse Comics, they just released a new version of their app, which is just 99 cents in the iTunes Music Store. And, and if you buy it, you get 30 free uh, comic titles. Uh, and if you're an iFanboy listener, you will also get entered in a chance to win an iTunes gift card. So you get those 30 free apps, and then, and then you can buy more comics and, and read those through the phone. And that's different because before each comic was its own app, so now this is a way to just have them in, in one place. Spending 99 cents to get 30 free issues, that's like... That's, you can that's try like, out a lot of stuff. Yeah. I know there's a lot of really interesting and good comics on there. Um, it, like uh, they were talking about Killer of Demons recently on Around Comics. I know that's on there. I know Proof is on there. I know Atomic Robo is on there. All, all the sorts Star Trek of, stuff is on there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you are not an iPhone or iPod Touch owner, you can also win, um, and all you have to do is send out a tweet that includes both at iFanboy and at Iverse Comics, and you'll be entered to win that iPod Touch. And, and again, you only need to tweet the once. And you need to tweet by uh, this Wednesday, the 16th. So oh, it's just sure Wednesday, you- the 16th. That's yep. the end. Make sure you have the, the at iFanboy and at Iverse Comics. That's important. So get over to iversemedia.com slash iFanboy for those details. Enter yourself in there, and it, it can't hurt to try out. It's a neat little system. It works, it works better than you would think. 
Cool. So um, Black as Night continued in Green Lantern Corps, number 40. Core. Corpse. And, Corp. uh, <laughs> um, and it's just it's just obstinance now. Just this is a whole lot going on in the, in, in these Green Lantern. My own, that would be my only complaint yeah. about this book is it's all it's almost too much. Yep. Almost. It's, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know, one or two more things in here and I'd probably be lost. But um, it's it's it's. it's, it's, it's it's the middle of the battle, so it makes sense that it'd be chaotic. But still, it's just like almost too much. It's all over the place. All, but but it's but it's okay. I mean, it's all right. I mean, the, I guess the big moments in this were the fact that um, Kyle and uh, Black Lantern Jade kind of sneak away from the battle to have a little conversation, and, and Jade tries to seduce Kyle into uh, crossing over, but he fights back. Um, so that was the big moment for me, at least, in reading it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of good stuff. I liked the fly, the fly versus yep. Dark Gardner mm-hmm. battle. And guy and, uh, gets guy gets stabbed. Yeah, guy gets gorged with the guy of horns. But I, I right mean, it was that, good. That's it was the femoral good. artery, man. He's he's in he's in rough shape. Well, couldn't you just use the ring to sort of, yeah, you know, hold the blood in? I suppose. Um, Put a cork the in about that. This, the the blackest night conceit. Like basically, every character they have to think of somebody who's dead in the character's past, and every character has like eight people dead in their past. So it's like a, it's like an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, and they're they're trying to use everything they can but i think in some instances they gotta let some they let some of those chips go yeah i don't know I, I i we're still very much in the oh shit's hitting the fan stage of black as night and i'd like mm-hmm. to i'd like to take the next step i think we're soon I mean, we're, we're still in the first yeah. two issues which is still act one basically so we're still you know yep All act right. two should be starting soon cool ultimate so- avengers number two and i i forget that carlos pacheco is one of my favorite artists yeah and he doesn't. He, he for me at least. I don't see his work a lot. I feel like he draws infrequently, which he may he may not. I just may not see what he's doing. But uh, when I see the stuff he's doing that I'm reading, it's fantastic. It's just some, I love his work. Some great stuff in this. Some great Captain America stuff in in this issue. Um, and yeah, he's Pacheco's killing it. I mean, the Red Skull is just creepy looking. Ultimate yeah. Cap. Yeah. The, the idea is that uh, right before he went back to war, Cap uh, knocked a girl up. And they, the government took away his baby, and baby went angry. Which they didn't. They didn't. The only, the only downside is they didn't do a good job explaining why the baby went evil. Which they might later. Yeah. Um. Baby, baby went bad, became the Red Skull in a very, very brutal, vicious way, in, in a way you'd expect from Mark Miller, which would be worse if Kickass hadn't come out this week. But the big, the big swerve was that the the chick he knocked up uh, ended up marrying Bucky. Yep. Yeah. Someone's gonna get pissed. Someone's gonna get a geriatric punch to the face. Exactly. So. Uh, Red Robin number four, and I, it's quickly becoming my second favorite Batman book, which I don't count Detective because Detective's sort of not involved in the whole Reborn storyline. I sort of forget because it's not in that in that group. Uh, in this issue, Robin is Robin has been searching in the Middle East for clues to Batman's whereabouts because he doesn't believe that Bruce is dead, and he finds the cave from the last page of Final Crisis with the cave painting on it. Oh, really? Yep, yep. Very interesting. So we 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 we've kind of been hinting that we've been leading this way, but in this issue, he finds it. Did he say that, oh, this doesn't count, Batman's left-handed? <laughs> no, that didn't happen. It didn't uh, happen. He didn't pull out his laptop and start blogging about it. But, um, he, uh, yeah, so he found the cave painting, and he's found, he found another cave painting pre- previously in a museum. We didn't get to see what he'd found until this issue. So he's, he's been tracking Batman cave paintings across the Middle East, apparently. So it's a really nice idea and interesting to not let the strings you know, fall from mm-hmm. Final Crisis. Superman, Superman wonk. Number seven. Uh, I, I love I, that abbreviation, by the way, Wonk. Yeah, it's hysterical. I'm fine with that. World of New Krypton. Uh, hysterical. I just, I, I think they're just increasing the, the neat little things that happen. Basically, in this issue, 
Zod puts uh, Kal-El in charge of everything. Um, just when of it looks gar- like... Of the, of the military. Yeah, of the military. It, just when it looks like, you know, the military is finally going to go nuts without Zod. And then there's... Uh, the other thing that was notable about this issue, I thought, was the the really good scene with... um, What's that guy's name? Tyr? T-Y-R? Um, Tyr. Yeah. Tyr. <laughs> uh, Superman's guide around New Krypton when they first got there. It's Jimmy uh, Olsen. Yeah, the betrayal that t- that took place. There was a, a nice little uh, three-page scene. Well, if I could make briefly talk about that scene is what I love about this book and, and the, the direction of Superman lately has been that he gets mad in this scene. He gets angry yes. at this guy. And I love when they, they allow Superman to show emotion. When, mm-hmm. when he's when he's a sort of a Jesus-like character who doesn't ever – there's no infallibility and is, not, and is sort of always even keel. It's kind of boring. But when they allow him to be human, it's great. And here he gets mad at this guy who was his friend and betrayed him. And it's totally natural and an understandable reaction. And that was the best part of the book. There's also a really nice big two-page spread in this one. And then finally, like, the, the cliffhanger that you're left with at the end is, like, one of those giant comic book things. You're like, well, that's a big idea. That's pretty yeah. neat. Um, it's a fun issue. This remains like, like, the best all... Superman book. Yeah, yeah, I would say. That's, that's a good quote. It's also the only one he's in. Cool. <laughs> so um, if you went to ifanboy.com this week, you might have saw uh, our staff writer Sonia had a, a quick chat with uh, Philip Bond, who is the artist on Red Herring. And Red Herring number two came out this week. Um, which is uh, quickly becoming uh, one of those surprise uh, hit, not hits, but surprise books that um, I'm very, I, ha- very happy to be buying. I really liked Red Herring one, yeah. and I thought this was a lot better than that. Yeah. Um, by the way, that's Philip Bond in this book. He's yeah. the, the glasses guy who looks like John Hodgman. Anyway, um, <laughs> this was it, was, it was like a lot more character development. You got to know who these people are that are running around, and you get an idea of sort of the, the bigger conspiracy thing that's going on it's just a fun conspiracy yeah, a, and, and what's book. interesting is that i don't quite know what it's about yet but i'm mm-hmm. totally grabbed by it you know like and i just like that it was it was better and more like it just all came into focus a little more than in the last issue which made you made it one thing but it's got this kind of quirky little sense of humor if you look at like the names of the businesses and the little things going on in the background that fit the art very well yep. it's, it's, i wish he would draw more i know god yeah, yeah. so good so. Yeah, he's 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 a good drawer. Cool. I don't know about you guys, but my last couple pages were totally blank. <laughs> last last three four pages. <laughs> the planetary preview. Nothing <laughs> on those pages. So, um, uh, and finally, uh, War Kings: uh, Who Will Rule? One shot came out this week, uh, continuing the uh, uh, cosmic I saga. That was over. Uh, it's not. It's just, this is the bridge book, but to, before the next uh, uh, chapter of the story, Realm of Kings. Um, and this focused on the uh, the funeral, the, the Shi'ar funeral of uh, Empress Leandra. And I love Gladiator in, in black mourning costume. What, I mean, screw the costume. Like, his characterization through this was awesome. a lot of fun. That was great. I dude. really – the thing is, uh, the War of Kings ended very abruptly. It was just kind of over. Like, I feel like they were, they were charging towards an end and then it was just over. And this is a very nice denouement, a very nice cherry on that, on top of that, which I thought – ended things up and set you up to go forward yeah uh, very very good issue and positioning it to cross you know to intersect with guardians of the galaxy and mm-hmm. and uh, the dark hawk stuff is continuing that's going to move into nova and i just abnett landing cannot do wrong it's wonderful mm-hmm. so as long as they don't have anybody else in there monkeying around with their stuff right. they're writing everything so it, it's working out good right. exactly 
Good stuff. So if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you see all the books that came out this week. You can rate and review them. And uh, we like to highlight some of the reviews every week. So this week, I wanted to uh, highlight O Caroline's review of Models, Inc., number one. And she gave the story a 5 out of 5 and the art a 4 out of 5. And 1.2% of the iFanboy – oh, no, actually, that's incorrect. Nobody made it their pick of the week. Sorry about that. There's the error. There's the <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, and who's the winner this week, Jimmy? It's Fred from Tucson. Oh, Caroline says Paul Tobin's writing is fun and witty. It reminded me of Banana Sunday, his collaboration with Colleen Hoover, more than his previous Marvel work. Though I've enjoyed that too. The art by Vin- Vincenz Villagrasa is a great part of the story as well, showcasing fun and slightly ridiculous fashions on female body types that aren't the top heavy Barbie Barbie doll superhero standard. And Val Staples' colors really shine. I was already won over by the main story, but the most most of the attention about this issue focuses on the backup starring real-life fashionista Tim Gunn, who I guess is on Project Run- Runway. Sorry, guys. I fail at reality TV. In any case, the backup story was a hoot even for someone who isn't a Runway fan. Um, so I was, I was looking for pans of this issue, um, mm-hmm. but it looks like she liked it. Um, I, for one, I flipped through it. I didn't buy it. I, I don't understand why they're doing it, but that's, you know, I'm... March Fashion Week here in New York. Yeah. It's it's a you know big deal in New York. It comes out Tim, the same day. Tim Gunn's in it. He's a big deal. Did you read this? Did you read it? I, I got it. I read too. about four pages and decided I'd continue it later. The, the, the Tim Gunn the Tim Gunn story. He dons the Iron Man costume and he actually the, the dialogue that was written says uh, this this suit may not be fully charged, but I will make it work. Like, is that a RuPaul joke? No, that's that's his catchphrase on... No, that was RuPaul's catchphrase in the 90s. Yeah, but... but, uh, You know what the thing was? Also, four colorists colorists on the Tim Gunn story. I'm not so interested in the Tim Gunn story. I did did, buy it for the main story, so I I will finish that eventually. Well, I think the the thing about him, though, is that he was doing press, like, all over the place all week. Yeah. Uh, It's fashion week. You know, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. But he keeps bringing it up, and they, they've mentioned the comic all over the place, and and so you know, trying to get other audiences. That's Who fine. knows if this is the best way to do it? But what do you got? Right. They got new bosses now. They got to sell. Yeah. Uh, our yeah. our our second uh, user review is from Through the Brush, and she was talking about Life and Times of Savior Twenty Eight Number Five, the book I feel very guilty about not having read yet. Uh, gave the story a five out of five, and the art a five out of five. Is this correct? Yes, it is. Power percentage of four point six percent. That is pretty high for a book. That only uh, got that only got like twenty five pulls. There was so, a lot yeah. of different pows this week. Yeah. A lot of. Uh, it's obvious why the big two comics companies would never publish this comic. Its central premise that a superhero might realize that punching people isn't the way to solve problems completely undermines the foundation upon which superhero comics are built. I encourage anyone interested in superhero comics to give this series a chance. The last issue is a bit rushed, largely due to the condensing of story from issues six to five. Oh, uh, condensing the story from six issues to five. The story as a whole, however, stands tall as an analysis of the superhero genre and the world that created it. Following in the hard-to-fill shoes of Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns, what with more of a Demetrius uh, trademark hopefulness than either of those two texts could bear to contain. Add Mike Cavallero's art, which is clear and bright and absolutely perfect for the story, is the icing on the cake. I never, I never heard of this book. I had to look it up. IDW publishes it, and now I want to. I definitely want to get this. one. I have all five issues. Yeah. Um, uh, the my my comic store guys, Mike Cavallaro, the artist shops at my comic store. So yeah. he's um, part of one, the uh, Activate Collective. He's done some other. He does all sorts of different kind of work. Right, and uh, the my comic store guy handed me the first two issues one day and said, "You got, you should read this." Um, and I've been getting it ever since. I just haven't, you know, had gotten around. Sounds to great. It. Sounds really good. So I've only heard good on my things. stack of to read to read books. Cool. 
So um, go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics and uh, write your reviews and, and do your polls and, and rate your comics and let everyone know what you think of the comic books. Um, and before we move on, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Um, Audible is one of the best places to get audiobooks. Uh, if you enjoy uh, if you enjoy reading, you might enjoy listening to audiobooks, and you can download them to your iPod or any device to listen that you listen to music on. Um, they've got over sixty thousand titles across all genres, um, no matter which way you spell it, including you know science fiction, romance, you know nonfiction, technology. They've got I was browsing through their catalog. They've got a ton of great books. Um, so if you go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash ifanboy, we got a special offer for you. You can sign up. You get a free audiobook to try it out, plus a 14-day trial of the service. So what, what do you got to lose? Uh, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash ifanboy and actually wanted to make a pick, uh, a suggestion for you to go check out. Uh, check out The Ten Cent Plague, The Great Comic Book Scare and How It Changed America by David Hajdu. Um, and this is a great book that I've read great reviews about uh, covering the whole comic scene of the 40s and 50s leading up to the seduction of the innocent Frederick Wortham and, and the shutdown of the comic industry in the 50s. Uh, really fascinating historical stuff. Neato. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, uh, you may have noticed we had a new book of the month this month, uh, Asterius Pollock by David Mazzucchelli. Woo! Uh, now, normally what we do is we will talk about it here for you know, 10, 15 minutes or something like that. But this time we decided we're going to do a longer version of that and give it its own Books Bullet podcast. So look for that in the near future. You'll see it on the website and we'll promote it in all and the usual too much, places. too much to talk about in, in 10 minutes. So. Yeah, and seriously, and, and you know, I wholeheartedly cheered when Josh made it the book of the month this month and take the time to go download that podcast and listen to it because this book deserves talking about. So. But you want to talk about a review that kind of wrote itself. Yeah. Like, like I was like, well, what am I going to do? And it was just blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's, that's enough. Amazing. That's good. Uh, can't wait uh, to talk about it. So go listen to that one. It's going to be awesome. So that, that'll when be coming out. out. It's, don't don't yes. look for it now. It'll be out in a yeah. couple weeks. Don't yeah. look for it now. You can read the review, though. Go to the website, to the, the top of the website. It's always it's going to be there all month, uh, and you can read about it. There's, there's no spoilers in that review, so you can give it a read and see if it's something you might like. Yeah. Um, however, I don't know if anybody out there noticed. Did you guys notice this? But there were some big news in, in the comic industry lately. Um, <laughs> and, and doing a book with John Romita. Yeah. <laughs> Did somebody join a, join a new book? Well, uh, it's exclusive. Normally, normally we don't really talk about industry news and stuff on this podcast. We try to focus on the comics themselves and the stories. But these two news stories are probably so big that we, we figured it warranted a little discussion. Um, uh, and if, if, if for no other reason to stem the tide of email saying, so what do you think? Yeah, exactly, because a lot of you want to know what we think. And so what we're talking about is last week you might have heard that um, uh, Disney announced plans to acquire Marvel, which is huge. And then um, this week uh, it was announced that DC was making some organizational changes and uh, forming uh, Time Warner was stepping in and forming a, co- a new company called DC Entertainment, which would be owned under War- Warner Brothers, and two big execs from the Warner Brothers world stepped in, and Paul Levitz, uh, the publisher and president of DC Comics, has stepped down, um, and a publisher is still yet to be, his replacement is yet to be named, uh, and basically the whole world gets turned upside down. Or does yeah. it? Yeah. Or does it? Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> or nothing should, changes whatsoever. It, it should be important. Either or. It yeah. should be important to preface this conversation that, we have no inside information. We are going to be doing some speculation. Yes, we have no. Uh, we haven't. We haven't spoken to anybody at Marvel or DC about this. We don't know. We don't know the ins and outs of the business. This is all our conjecture and opinion and stuff like that. So the only information I have in that's inside is that on Tuesday I am going to be interviewing for the job of publisher of DC Comics. I, I, I uh, and you put listing me as a recommendation. We talked about that. I, yeah, I know. Is your is your meeting at one thirty? 
It's at one thirty. Are you at two? Mine's the one. Yes, I'm at two. I, so, I wouldn't okay. want that job with a ten foot pole. So good luck. <laughs> uh, I would. I, I would. I would take that job. So let's. Uh, let, yeah, because all your publishing experience. <laughs> so let's. Um, let's dive into Marvel Disney first. Um, uh, Ultimately, my kind of quick analysis is that I think it's a great it's a great thing. I think it's a very good thing. I think it's good for, it's a good move for Disney. It's a good move for Marvel. Um, Marvel's been kind of a scrap. You know, while they've been a public company, they've kind of been you know very tight on on spending, and they've been kind of a scrappy you know independent company in terms of you know the world of business. Now they've got the Goliath of Disney behind them, and all the licensing opportunities and all the things that you can fantasize about it. If there's any negative that's going to come from it, it could be from the distribution angle, which. As we get to talk about DC, the underlying effects of both these moves probably will hit distribution and hit the direct market and retailers, but who knows? It's not going to be soon, though. It's not going to be soon at all. It still has to be approved by shareholders. Both shareholders have to approve it. Yeah, so. Uh, I mean, the the Marvel thing hasn't actually happened yet, yeah. and that's that's key. Yeah. Um, I, I think one thing that was really interesting about Marvel is then I was thinking about this even a day or two before it happened. And by the way, when it happened, I saw an email and somebody was like, "Disney bought Marvel," and I kind of regarded it like it was spam. Yeah. And then, like a second later, my head went, "Wait a minute, was oh, that?" Real? I didn't believe it at all. I, I totally didn't believe yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I went back and I was like, "Oh, this is for real." Um, you know, I was thinking about it, and and I think that people have heard us talk about how Marvel books. For the past couple of years, basically since Civil War, have kind of all gone into a lockstep motion, and you've noticed this. And people have complained or 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 liked, you know, whatever. But what do you mean by lockstep? What do you mean by that? Event after event, all of the books are marching in the same direction, where there's more of an editorial mandate than, you know, from 2000 to 2005, six. You know, it was when these guys were all showing up at Marvel, the guys who are the big guys now, Bendis and Brubaker and, and guys like that. And they were all sort of doing their own thing and lending their voice to Marvel. And it was very much a kind of a golden age for, for me. I mean, that was the, the, just great, great books uh, after Marvel Knights. And then around the time of Civil War, you notice that everything is, is this one editorial thing. They're all marching towards the Civil War and then they're all in the dark rain or then they're all in the secret invasion and the dark rain. And what you did was, to me, it's sort of rounded off the singular voice of all of them because they're, I mean, while, while now, each book does have the voice of the writer, they're all heading towards the same place. Right now, all the books are fighting Norman Osborn, every one of them. If you, and now if you look at that from a business point of view, my speculation is, is that they were doing that in order to increase sales because I, I my guess is that after dragging the company out of out of bankruptcy and setting and su- being successful and setting up the movie properties and Iron Man success they wanted to show that the publishing arm was successful and remember we had all those weeks when like 40 Marvel books came out in one week and it was happened to be the last week of a f- financial quarter um, and the last issue of Civil War shipping, uh, you know, pushing out from Q4 into Q1. Um, I think Marvel's three ninety nine. I think yeah, three ninety nine. I think I think Marvel's been on the block for a, at least two years, um, mm-hmm. and and they they finally got somebody to take notice and per- and buy them. So um, it all kind of makes and sense in that regard. From a business standpoint, it makes perfect sense, and and you know, good on them. Because the thing you got to remember, as much as you love Captain America and as much as you love the X-Men and all your characters, there are shareholders who like dollars lots more. And, and they're going to win in and, the end. Every decision is going to win. Exactly. And, and if you look at the financials of this, the shareholders of Marvel made a lot of money last week. They got yeah, a yeah. payout of $30 a share yeah. in just dividends, I yeah. think. It was, I mean, like a lot of people made a lot of money when this and, happened. And, so. and it's also like when we started – like when I came back to comics, 99, 2000 – Marvel Marvel stock was pennies. Yep. 
I mean, it was nothing. It was junk. And yeah, we should have bought. And I, and I remember going, "I've got like twenty bucks. I should buy a bunch of." And like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, yeah. You know what I mean. So I mean, if you if you want to hear some more educated opinions, uh, Jason Wood, who was on, who we had on the show for episode one ninety nine, he's on Eleven O'clock Comics a couple episodes ago. They he did a great. He's a financial guy. He he's a stock guy. He did a great analysis of the Marvel Disney deal. I go listen to that because he knows a lot more about the ins and outs of it. How like Disney's the number one licensor of products, and Marvel is number four. Um, and so now they basically Disney just you know is blowing away their competition. By the way, Time yeah. Warner DC is number three. Um, yeah. So it's all about licensing. It's all about stuff like that. But the question is with distribution: Will Marvel stay with Diamond, stay with the direct market, or start to move their books towards the Disney Disney's already existing distribution model with their books and things like that? And that's the big question. That leads into this DC maneuver um, with Paul Levitt stepping down. For those who don't know about Paul Levitt, he pretty much is one of the people who architected the direct market in the 80s. Um, and DC and Diamond have a very great, uh, long-standing relationship. And um, him stepping down affects DC not only from a, from a creative standpoint, could also affect it from a distribution standpoint. And, and also, like when you talk about DC and Paul Levitz having, having a thing with Diamond, you know, it, it should also be important to note that while he's the head of this big giant thing, when they set up the direct market the way it is, like he insisted that yep. there was a place in previews for independent comics. Yep. Like he saw the value of that. So before anybody refers to him as the as the you know, the Leviathan the head of this whole thing, like he he he's a guy who loves the comics no, industry. Now the- whether you agree with his decisions or not I don't think the place he's coming from can be well, questioned. The, the pro- yeah, no, he, the, the, Paul Levitz is, a, is an industry titan. He deserves a massive amount of respect. He's done so much for the comic industry. The direct market has done great things as well as been a problem. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things where I sit and I try to wrap my head around it and I can see both sides of it. Um, sure. You know, and it's unfortunate to see Diamond make changes this year that, that cut out those independent publishers that Le- Levitz mm-hmm. tried to protect and keep in. Um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the stuff. What worries me is about distribution and the retailers, and a lot of the the potential scenarios we're talking about here. Marvel moving their distribution to DC. The idea maybe Time Warner slash DC buys Diamond. These are all words and feelings that are very similar to what happened in the mid '90s um, when Marvel bought Heroes World and the and the comics industry collapsed. The industry. Everybody thinks the '90s, the collapse of the '90s, happened because of Rob Liefeld and Chromium covers and all stuff like that. No, it, it was it, it, that had something to do with it. Speculation had something to do with it, but also it was the distribution and the distribution wars that happened in the '90s. That's what killed well, it. So it's be- well, the thing is, this it's funny because back then it was the smell of money. Yeah, you know, and before back then it was it was driven by wild sales. Of the comics themselves, and now, now it's, it's licensing. Being yep, it's licensing, licensing and movies. And well, and, that, the and, movies. That, and that's the thing is that like, and that's the other thing. A lot of people, I've read a lot of articles on websites and blog posts and things like that. A lot of people think that this Levitt's move was in reaction to the Marvel DC, thi- Marvel Disney thing, and it might have been in reaction in terms of announcing it. And we, and actually, Connor, you said that, that we found out that it actually is. But well, yeah, I mean, they they pushed up the announcement, right? They pushed up the announcement, but the decision to do this, um, uh, what's her name, the uh, the woman, Diane Nelson. Diane Nelson, she was announced months ago. Like this, yeah. like like at a big corporation, you don't make snap decisions like you this. You can't. It's like you can't. Titanic yeah. around. Exactly. So this has been in the works for a while. I'm, I doubt Levitz was pushed out. I mean, he might have been pushed out, but if he was pushed out, it was months ago. You know what I mean? Like, and so like this was all coming. This isn't in reaction. This isn't in direct reaction to Marvel Disney. This isn't in reaction to how the Arkham Asylum video game is doing. This isn't in reaction yeah, it's, it's to how really bad Watchmen did. It's to the movies. Yeah. It's, it's the movies. I mean, this is a long overdue move, I think, on DC's or Well, Time it's like Warner's Time Warner woke that. up and realized what they had. 
they they've been squandering their properties. I mean, you know, for years, for decades. Yep. Marvel finally turned it around. So we're going to control the stuff. We're going to put out good movies and make tons of money. And, and Time Warner's twiddling their thumbs because they're a behemoth. Yep. And this is a move to streamline that process and say, hey, we're going to put this one woman in charge of making sure these projects get made because they're not getting made or just lose sitting there not making money when they could be making money on a Batman movie and a Superman movie and a Wonder Woman movie and a Flash movie yep. and a Green Lantern movie. Meanwhile, they're not making any of those movies. And I, th- and I think a big part of it also was everyone talks about the Watchmen movie and the Watchmen movie was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it was a success. It made its money back. It wasn't a huge success. It wasn't a blockbuster, but also Time Warner had to pay a lot of the profit it made to Fox, Fox. because they fucked up the rights. And that happened under Levitz's watch. And the thing to keep in mind, people are freaking out. Diane Nelson has a track record. She she's been in charge of the Harry Potter franchise yeah. in terms of licensing it through War, Warner, Time Warner, the movies, making you know not the books, but all the stuff that's come out of the books and come through Time Warner. She's been in charge of those. She's she has a track record of doing quality projects. Those are quality yeah. films. Yep, yeah, exactly. You know, so we're not going to. I'm hopeful. I, I know the, the Disney Marvel thing. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm I'm hopeful for the the, the DC Entertainment the, thing. The sad the sad thing though about the DC Entertainment thing is I think that the Marvel Disney thing has will have a less of effect on the Marvel comics products that we all read. Whereas well, this the, this DC move I think will impact the comics. Qu- well, you don't. I mean, yeah. it's possible that they both yeah. will. I mean, it's yeah. possible Icon will go away. I think it's well, more yeah, than that's, that, that everyone's saying Icon's probably going to go away. Maybe they'll you know. get the last issue of Kick Ass out before this all, it yeah, all changes. Exactly. But. Yeah, I've heard rumors that I know of, I've heard rumors that projects are already moving away from Marvel because of this. So, yeah. well, I mean, you, I would be surprised I mean, that both if, if if you know. They, she claims she, in an interview she loves the stuff Vertigo's doing, and, and Vertigo's been around forever, and they've been a part of Time Warner forever, so you wouldn't yeah. think that suddenly Vertigo would go away, because they do make money off of that, and the Losers yeah. movie's coming out. But you know, Disney is, is more is a family brand. Yep. Yeah, you know, but you, I don't buy that, because Disney – but the, see, that's one of the fears that you keep hearing, but also, also – Disney's released a lot of things over the years, the years that you don't think of as Disney because well, they come Miramax. from others. Yeah, right. But well, Miramax, Miramax is, is one now. example. It's totally toothless. Right, now. but it wasn't. But at the time when when they bought Miramax, people were like, "Oh, they're not going to do anything anymore." But they released Pulp Fiction. So, I mean, I think it's a question of it's not coming out under the Disney name, so it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion that it's going to affect the comics themselves. The thing that I keep hearing is that. Disney's been pretty good about letting the people who know that business continue to run that business. Yeah. And, you know, like as far as Joe Casada and, and Dan Buckley, and like if it's not broke, I don't think they're going to fix it that much at this point. Yeah. As far as comics go. Yeah. I, um, I, I believe that more, but I think whoever becomes the new publisher of DC will affect the future of the DC publishing line, as it should. You know, awesome. So. But they're, I think they're also just going to go, okay, this is this guy, Jeff. You should meet him. Yeah. Well, just, they've already done that with the movies, it sounds like, which is Am yeah. Flash. So, yeah. So. Um, so we don't know. It's it's going to be really interesting to see. I wouldn't open up a comic shop right now. <laughs> that's that's what I would say. So, so yeah. So that's our two cents. So um, and we'll see what happens. But the immediate thing is the comics are coming out next Wednesday. Don't worry, they're not going anywhere. So it'd be funny if they didn't, though. It would be very funny. Like or yeah, like we were all wrong. They just they both shut them down. Yeah, that'd be Wednesday, great. Wednesday's canceled. Yeah. But I. So um, uh, so if you have it's part three or four, we're four. <laughs> So normally we do emails and voicemails, but because we talked about the industry and all this, and we had a lot of books this week, we're going to skip them. So be sure to email in at contact.ifanboy.com, as well as call into our voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. And if you go into your comic store Wednesday and it's gone, you can go to DCBS. They got monthly specials up to seventy five percent off, with forty percent off major publishers and flat rate shipping of five ninety five on all U S orders. You can buy anything that's listed in previews while it's still listed in previews with over fifty four hundred trade paperbacks in stock. You can track your orders online. You can do it all at DCBService.com. Nice. Cool. 
So there was a, a little contest. We just got to wrap up real quick. There was the Thirst giveaway um, from director the, – the, the movie Thirst from director uh, Park Chan-wook. And they, we were given away a signed poster um, signed by, by the director and, and the soundtrack. And the grand prize winner for that is Michelle Petz. And there are three winner ups, uh, runner-up winners. Winner-ups. Winner winner you're all winner-ups. Are going to get the soundtrack. And that's Jason Bullman, uh, Michael Poteet, and Richard Chapoteau. Uh, Which are those people? Congratulations, and they are all iFanboy members, and you can be registered for future giveaways, and we're going to talk a little bit about how you can become an iFanboy member. Um, But before we do that, uh, real quickly, uh, Windy City Comic Con is coming up uh, next weekend. My word. Uh, (laughs) And our friends over at Around Comics are the organizers of that. I'm going to be attending it. So if you live in the Chicagoland area, it's it's like 10 bucks, and there's like 90 creators that are going to be there, including people like Jeff Darrow and Scotty Young and Mike Norton and and like tons of people are going to be there. So so if you want to meet me, hang out, meet some great creators, uh, go to WindyCityComicCon.com. That's WindyCityComicCon, C-O-M-I-C-O-N.com, and uh, buy a ticket, show up. It will be awesome. And just want to let everyone know that Connor and I recorded a podcast to talk about Greg Rucka and Steve Lieber's uh, movie adaptation of Whiteout. Uh, if you look in the feed, it's the episode right before this one, or you can go to ifanboy.com and listen to it, and we want to hear what you thought of the movie. We have another podcast called Murmur, and we're, episode 7 is out this week, and that's when us talking about the fall TV lineup. It'll be fun. All the stuff we're excited about, TV starting in the, in the United States basically this past week, and and me and Ron and some other people talking about what shows we're excited for. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm very excited for see. And before, before we move on, I forgot, I also appeared on the Awesome by Comics podcast this week. Uh, uh, so check that out. Uh, uh, it's a great podcast. You should, we'll put a link in the show notes. So definitely check that out. I didn't know You're that. You're cheating on us. Sorry. Somebody told us that. Yeah. What the hell? They came to my What's house. They knocked on my door. They said, can we do a podcast? I was like, all right. So uh, like, Let me get out of this towel. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Evie, Evie and Aaron do a great podcast. I wish you check it out. It's called Awesome by Awesome by Comics. It was a lot of fun. It was much. They talk about. You think we prepare? Whew! They had notes and they were all prepper, prepared. They had bits. It was amazing. So we don't and, prepare. <laughs> really, it takes ten minutes to put the stuff in the script. All right, we had Thirst giveaway, and you can only win stuff through our giveaways if you're an iFanboy member. And in September and October are going to be big giveaway months. We've got a big package of books and stuff to give away at the end of the month, which we're going to do. So if you want to win that stuff, you become a member. And you do that by going to ifanboy.com slash store, and you can become a member for $4 a month or $42 a year. And that gets you the iFanboy prize pack, which includes a comic book from one of our collections, some buttons, and a sticker. Or you can become a higher-level member for $10 a month or $100 a year. And that gets you the prize pack of the comic, the sticker, and the buttons, and also an iFanboy member's T-shirt. And it really helps us out. We really, you know, we have costs and things that incur, and and we really could use the support. And we're 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 all appreciative of all, every new member, new member we get. And if you want to win prizes and giveaways and things, that's the best way to do it: become an iFanboy member. And if you also want to help us out and you don't want to become a member, there's a real simple way for you to do it: go to ifanboy.com and click the banners on the website. <laughs> uh, there, there are a couple of banners from uh, our friends at Full Sail University, as well as Audible, as well as um, you know, they're just uh, Ivor DCBS, Comics, DCBS. Okay. Yeah, just you're on the website. You don't want you don't want to spend the four bucks a month or ten. Fine, click some banners. Fill, you know, go go to Full Sail, get some information about their video game uh, training program. It's pretty cool. Help us out. It helps us out. Here's, here's so something simple. you could do. You see that Fandango banner that yeah. comes up there? If you click on that and then. Bookmark that, and every time you buy a movie ticket or something, we get we something from there. Yeah, I I bookmark that one. That's that's just one way. Yeah. 
So um, you can check. Sorry, that's just shameless. You can check out ifanboy.com for the written pick of the week review from Ron on Kickass number seven. It's seven, right? Yep. Uh, and and more in depth stuff. We talked we talked about the Philip Bond interview and the best covers of the week and just all the discussion that takes place all the time. And you can pick your books and all that stuff. So get to ifanboy.com. We are very 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 proud of that website. And every time someone asks a question and it's on the website, we're like so sad. Because it's a good website. Uh, go to ifanboy.com slash about to find uh, stuff about us, social networking links, and all those kind of things about other ways to communicate and come part of the iFan base. Don't forget we got the shirts. We got the Power Responsibility shirt and the Herm shirt is back for pre-order. We're going to start fulfilling the orders at the beginning of October. So you can check those out. $15 a month, ifanboy.com slash store. There is a video show that we do that comes out from Revision 3, and we talked about this fall break, and then it just never happened. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's one more show that's going to be the second half of the episode 200, the Q&A of us having to think on our feet and and, and fans, and it's fun. Uh, And then after that will be a little bit of break, but there's there's one more coming up, so uh, look forward to that. And then after that, we'll be taking a little break for a little while, but we'll be back with the video show. And if you want to get on the video show, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS, 1-888-326-2697, and perhaps we'll answer one of your questions on a future show, audio, or video. They can't get on the, the video show. Well, they can send in a question. I, I, right, but it's like, can I be on the show? You know, that's logistically very difficult. True. Well, maybe. We don't want to say never. I, maybe we'll do okay. a contest. Maybe we'll do a contest. You never know. That's true. Yeah. We'll have to shoot somewhere else, not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the show or if you don't like the show, either way, write a review on iTunes. It helps people find it. We really appreciate every review we get. Better than that is to tell your friends at the comic store, your friends at the AA meeting when you think of things to complain about. <laughs> I think people complain at AA meetings, right? I don't know. No. Well, sometimes. They don't complain? Sometimes you complain. I guess. Stupid podcast drove me to drink and then I crashed a car. <laughs> then I got a DUI and oh, now I'm here. It's court mandated. I think this Complain is wrong. About <laughs> Off the rails. This feels wrong. <laughs> it this feels, feels a little wrong. right, though. A little right. <laughs> no. Just, just a little. This is wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. well, that said, I think we've said enough this week. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Hi, Ron. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Keep coming back. It really works. That was funny. That, I'll give you credit. That was good. <laughs> I don't need your validation. <laughs> I'm Josh. <laughs> Hi, Josh. <laughs> <laughs>